Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 691 for the 1st of May, 2020. Mayday, Mayday. This week, although Google is the most used search engine, and Bing is a distant second, an even more distant DuckDuckGo has several advantages. In short circuits, research that shows company security is more at risk when employees work from home is no surprise to security experts. The risk to corporate data is substantial. A lot of applications start with Windows. The operating system needs some processes, and you've probably added some, but there may be others that you didn't request and may not even know are running. Needless applications can cause problems, and we'll consider how to find them and remove the ones you don't want. In spare parts only on the website, improvements for Firefox's search function makes finding something faster and easier. The COVID-19 pandemic continues and will likely worsen as states begin to loosen regulations. Now's a good time to surveil yourself. And 20 years ago, I loaded a virus onto the office computer. The first and only time I made that mistake. It taught me a most important lesson. Google has the vast majority of search engine market share, but that doesn't mean it's the best choice for everyone or for every search. The much smaller DuckDuckGo has several advantages. For one thing, Google grabs a lot of information about you when you use the search engine. You might not like that. DuckDuckGo doesn't track you. Perhaps I should note that I have a Google Fi smartphone and a Google Nest smart speaker, and I'm generally okay with Google keeping tabs on me with those devices, less so with being tracked by the search engine. And yes, that is inconsistent. Still, I have been using DuckDuckGo as my default search engine for a while, and I feel only an occasional need to use Google. There are about 25 search engines. Most people would probably be hard-pressed to name more than two or maybe three. In terms of market share, DuckDuckGo is number six, with less than half of 1% of the market. Google has a nearly 73% market share, according to netmarketshare.com, with Bing in second place with 12%, Beidou in third place with 11%, then Yahoo with 2%, and Yandex with 1%. DuckDuckGo and the other 20 or so search engines all share the remaining 1% of market share on desktop and notebook computers. And it's even more lopsided on mobile devices with Google at 83%, Beidou at 8%, Bing at 6%, Yahoo at less than 2%. Bigger isn't always better, though, and there are good reasons to give DuckDuckGo a try, and maybe even to set it as your default search engine. 
Beidou is a search engine in China, so users in North America and Europe primarily gravitate to Google, Bing, Yahoo, and occasionally DuckDuckGo. Some of the others include Yandex, primarily used in the former Soviet bloc nations, but also available in English. CC Search is a Creative Commons project. It is a superior starting point if you're looking for articles and images available with a free Creative Commons license. Startpage uses Google but protects users from Google's tracking. Wiki is unusual in that it uses crowdsourced results. And the Internet Archive, also known as the Wayback Machine, is probably best known for its ability to display old versions of websites. If you follow the Net Market Share link, it'll lead you to more than 20 other search engines if you want to give some of them a try. But for now, let's consider why a duck. DuckDuckGo isn't the only search engine that provides privacy. I mentioned StartPage, but there are others. Visit the search engine's main page and you'll see these words. We don't store your personal information ever. DuckDuckGo was the first search engine to make that promise in 2008. It does not track users around. It does not store their search history. It does not track users' IP addresses. The other privacy-centric search engines all followed DuckDuckGo's lead. DuckDuckGo is about more than just privacy, though. Results are displayed much the way that Google displays results, Information is gathered by the DuckDuckBot and several hundred additional resources. These additional resources include Bing, Yahoo, and Yandex, as well as Wikipedia and other crowdsourced sites. DuckDuckGo uses Yelp for business reviews, hours, phone numbers, and other information. Locations are sourced from Bing Maps, but if you like, you can tell it to use Google Maps, Here Maps, or One Street Map. One feature I like about DuckDuckGo is what happens at the end of the first page of results. Selecting the next page on Google moves you to a brand new page. DuckDuckGo places a More Results button at the bottom of the first page of results. Pressing that button simply shows more results below what you've already seen. It's not uncommon for me to review several pages of results and then decide that I want the one that was on the first page. Instead of having to navigate back several pages, DuckDuckGo lets me just scroll up. Although Google is still the most comprehensive, complete, and feature-rich search engine, I found DuckDuckGo to be adequate for most of my searches. In any given week, I turn to Google only a few times. Google offers more vertical search options than DuckDuckGo does, with news, videos, images, shopping, books, flights, finance, and personal options, compared to DuckDuckGo's more meager selections, web images, videos, news, and maps. For obscure questions, when you lack some of the important information that would lead quickly to an answer, Google is still the better choice most of the time because its search algorithms are continuously revised, tuned, and updated. Google will usually perform better for a search like this one, insurance agency in Bellefontaine near Columbus Avenue and Detroit Street. However, when I tried that search, both Google and DuckDuckGo returned the correct answer on the first page, and DuckDuckGo had the answer in position one, while Google had it in the fourth position. So if you find yourself sometimes being a bit annoyed at Google, give DuckDuckGo a try. 
Oh, and by the way, I mentioned earlier, why a duck? Apologies to the Marx Brothers. In the 1929 movie, The Coconuts, Groucho and Chico are looking at a map, and Groucho describes a viaduct. Chico, of course, wonders, why a duck? Why not a chicken? Okay, that was a stretch. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, research that shows company security is more at risk when employees work from home is likely to be the least surprising news any chief security officer has ever heard. Not every organization has a chief security officer, though, and those who don't are even more vulnerable. Network security ratings company BitSight says it has found significant security issues across the rapidly rising number of networks used to work from home. The research analyzed more than 41,000 organizations, and BitSight says many companies suddenly face newly exposed or vulnerable devices and services because of malware-infected networks. I spent several years working in an office for a company that handled a sizable amount of data from the United States and Canada. My desk was adjacent to the chief security officer for a time, so I gained some insight into the issues that he faced. I had a home office for the final few years that I worked for that company, and I appreciated the end-to-end -end security that the company used. When I had to work with client data, it came to the company's computer on my desk, from the company's server. Data was encrypted on the server, during transmission across the internet, and except for when I was actively looking at it on the computer's disk drive. Everything was encrypted all the time. But that's only part of the issue. Social engineering, phishing, and other threats can get through to workers when they're at home. Many companies have started using an application that works with the corporate email system to clearly mark all messages that originate outside the corporate network. But crooks will be crooks, and no matter what procedures are in place, the crooks will poke around until they find a way to defeat them. BitSight recently released a work-from-home remote office application that allows organizations to monitor security on their remote offices and networks. The system differentiates between corporate networks that are typically behind several layers of protection and work-from-home and remote office networks. As a result, BitSight gained visibility into operations on these remote networks and found that the surge in work-from-home activity has dramatically expanded the cyber attack surface in ways that make companies and their data vulnerable. In fact, the results are quite troubling. Networks used to work from home are more than three times likely to have malware present than the traditional corporate network. Malware was found on 45% of employees' work-from-home networks, but only on 13% of corporate networks. Wait, only 13% of corporate networks? 
The fact that so many corporate networks have malware is disturbing in its own right. BitSight says these home networks are nearly eight times more likely to have five or more distinct families of malware present than the traditional corporate network. Although 17% of companies had at least five distinct malware families on their employees' work-from-home networks, slightly more than 2% of companies had that same level of infestation on their corporate networks. Well-known bot networks, networks of computers infected with malware, are more prevalent on work-from-home networks. Home networks expose the corporate network to vulnerable services and devices, cable modems, routers, cameras, storage peripherals, and all kinds of other Internet of Things devices can be found on home networks, and many of those IoT devices fail even simple security tests. BitSight says more than a quarter of work-from-home networks have one or more services exposed to the public Internet. Six in ten, 60 percent, have an exposed cable modem control interface. That is one of the most popular flaws attacked by crooks. BitSight Chief Technology Officer Stephen Boyer says a company's security risks rise sharply as a massive workforce suddenly accesses sensitive resources from outside the corporate network. Addressing cyber risk to the remote workforce has become the primary concern for security and risk professionals, he says. BitSight's report called Identifying Unique Risks of Work from Home and Remote Office Networks is available on the company's website. You'll find a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If ever there was a poster child for having too many applications launch with Windows, it's me. I'm willing to accept the time required to start nearly 40 applications with Windows, but if you're unhappy about the amount of time it takes for Windows to be ready for use, maybe it's time to review what's starting with the operating system. In some cases, the applications I want to start are essential. These include things like Adobe Creative Cloud, GoodSync, Macro Express, Snagit, and CrashPlan. They all perform actions that I need. I call for other applications to run at startup because they speed the startup of applications that I use frequently. Spotify, EVAER, a call recorder for Skype, and private internet access, for example. You may have knowingly told an application to start with Windows, but there may be others you don't even know about. That's because some installers tell applications that they're installing to start with Windows, but they fail to ask you if you want that to happen, or even to notify you about what they've done. Each application that starts with Windows takes a certain amount of time to become ready, and each of these applications also consumes a certain amount of memory and other system resources. And both of these are okay with me because I keep an eye on which applications are starting and disable those that I really don't want to start with Windows, and because the computer has a lot of RAM. This can be a problem on a computer with limited memory, though, and some background programs can get in the way of essential system applications, resulting sometimes in an application crash or even a blue screen of death. These are much less common with Windows 10, but they still do happen. 
One way to see which applications start with Windows involves downloading auto-runs from SysInternals. SysInternals was founded by Bruce Cogswell and Mark Rusinovich in 1996. At the time, they called it NT-Internals because the utilities they offered for free were intended to manage, diagnose, troubleshoot, and monitor Windows NT systems. The company, Winternals, was acquired by Microsoft in 2006. There's a link to SysInternals from the TechBiter Worldwide website, but instead of going directly to the SysInternals site, you can start on Microsoft's website. I've also included a link there. Doing that may allay any fears that you have about the legitimacy of the SysInternals site. Autoruns startles a lot of users the first time they run it, when they take a look at the scroll bar and see the size of the current location indicator, they realize that hundreds of entries are being shown. Well, that's because the Everything tab is selected by default. A much less scary list is in the Logon tab. Autoruns is a large and powerful application, which is typical of SysInternals applications. They have been written by operating system experts for operating system experts. Sometimes we regular humans need something a little less complex. Startup Delayer might be a good choice for you. Startup Delayer from R2 Studios will display the applications that start with Windows and allow you to change the order in which they start. For example, you might know that one of the applications you want to have running causes a considerable delay during startup. If it's an application you really do want to have running, but you don't need it immediately after the computer starts, you can delay it for a few minutes. That'll take it out of contention for resources during the busy startup process. Startup Delayer is free, but there is also a premium edition that costs $20 and offers a few advanced features, such as copy and paste applications between user accounts, convert running tasks to startup applications, backup and restore all local users and applications, the ability to create startup profiles, and launch applications on a schedule. A single paid license is good for all computers in the user's home. So when you're looking for the cause of a performance or reliability problem, checking to see which applications start with Windows is usually a pretty good first step. The Task Manager offers a limited insight into what runs at boot time, but you'll get a much clearer picture with auto runs or startup delayer. These applications let you right-click any item and disable it so that it will not run when Windows starts. If that solves a problem you've been having, you can leave the auto start disabled and run the application only when you need it. Or if you don't really need the application, just uninstall it. You can right-click spare parts, but doing so won't have much of an effect. Reading the items is easy, though. Just visit the website. This week's articles include improvements for Firefox's search function, make finding something faster and easier. The COVID-19 pandemic continues, and it will likely worsen as states begin to loosen regulations. Now's a good time to surveil yourself. And 20 years ago, I loaded a virus onto the office computer. That was the first and only time I made that mistake. It taught me a most important lesson. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. 
See you next week.